welcome to The Dream, The Date, and The Broken Bra. I am your host, Stephanie Brownyard. I have an insatiable desire for adventure and knowledge, and with this, I have been on a quest to discover what the purpose of life is and what it all means. In this podcast, we will embark on a journey, the journey of life. With my guest, we will share in stories and celebrate all that life has to offer from the challenging times to the victories of one's dreams, love, and life experiences. Through authentic conversation and thought-provoking dialogue, it is my hope you will unravel and uncover the magic that makes your life so extraordinary. We all come from different walks of life with different beliefs, but we all have similar desires and needs. Our paths are all so different, but yet we are all so connected. Let's come together to hear each other and to learn from one another and see the beauty in every experience, no matter how difficult or challenging it may be. In the process, we can all heal a little, have some laughs, and perhaps shed a few tears with a whole lot of inspiration. Join me on this exploration to uncover your magic. Are you ready? Hello, hello there, and welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, as today we've hit a new milestone on the dream, the date, and the broken bra. Today we've hit episode 18, and when I started this venture, my podcast teachers said that episode 18 is a pivotal episode. So I want to take the time to think Thank each and every one of you and to acknowledge you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I could not have gotten this far without you and the motivation and people reaching out with feedback and reaching out to let me know that they're enjoying the episodes. And really, it's with you and your help that has this podcast grow and it's growing and I'm so thrilled. So thank you so much. I don't take your time lightly and I truly am committed to bringing great conversations and I really truly hope that you get value from each and every episode. So today to mark this new milestone, I asked my husband Blair to come on and share his wisdom. We share about our journey together for the past 12 years from how we met to navigating a partnership through sobriety, moving across the country twice in a year and a half, him going to work in a family business and to eventually starting his own business during the pandemic. Of course, it's not always easy, but I always knew I wanted to walk this journey with a partner in crime and that I could not be more honored and grateful to walk this path with Blair. As we commit to each other over and over and we work to build a relationship neither one of us felt prepared for or knew the depths of what we were getting into. But I am honored to have a partner that constantly is open and willing to look at themselves and to work through challenges in our relationship as a tool to navigate growth in ourselves and our relationship so that we can improve, our communication improves, and our love and commitment to a healthy relationship. I am honored to introduce my best friend, my love, Blair Brownyard. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, babe. Hey, how are you? (laughs) I'm great. (laughs) So this, I would love to introduce everybody to my husband, Blair. Welcome, Blair Brownyard, to the dream, the date, and the broken bra. 
I'm so excited because today this conversation marks my 18th episode. And when I started this adventure, which was totally crazy, I don't think I really even knew what went into it. They told me that the 18th episode was pivotal. And I finally made it to the 18th episode. And I thought in celebration to the 18th episode, I really felt strongly that I wanted you on as a guest. Mm, And thank you so much for (laughs) entertaining entertaining this for me. And I just love, like, since I met you, you've always been a yes to everything. And I know it's probably not easy coming on here. And I know we've been talking back and forth about what we want to talk about. And I think like our relationship and what we've been through in our relationship and just life in general and being married and what we've gone through is kind of what we thought we would talk about. And so I know it's not easy. So thank you for always being a yes from, you know, and I 18 is a lucky number. Definitely for a multiple of nine. That's true. It's, uh, it's a big deal. So, yeah. Yay. I know. Actually, you know, 18 was my soccer number too. So it was my multiples of nines, huh? It was my great grandmother's favorite number. Well, nine was and any multiple nine. I kind of equated to her lucky number. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been many tributes to you so far on my podcast from some of my guests who happen to be our friends of their love and affection for you. (laughs) So now I get to share your wisdom and knowledge with everyone because you are like somebody, you're just, like I said, you're a yes to everything and you just kind of throw yourself into researching everything, finding truth, finding answers, and, you know, discovering um, who you are, what your purpose is in this world, being of service to others. So I just really feel that you have so much to contribute. And with that, like, where do you want to start, babe? Thank you. I appreciate that. And I want to just acknowledge you for stepping into stuff that is incredibly scary and confronting, but you really did trust your inner wisdom that this is what you need to do. And doing the podcast was a big deal. And I, anytime you have some inspired action, I will support it. And I think you've always done that for me too. And I think that's what makes us, uh, you know, one thing we do really well is we've constantly pushed each other lovingly upward and when one of us has <laughs> made a step upward you know you said come on you gotta see it up here you gotta come up and see what what's going on up here and the other one you know kind of drags their feet a bit until they come around and and we we end up teaching each other every time and it's definitely been mutual i think we've been back and forth in our stubbornness and been able to work through a lot of tough stuff and it's been been we've been together since well 13 years we've known each other almost and yeah and then married just over 10 you know a long time yeah i know my longest relationship outside family (laughs) i know i was thinking about that today i'm like i mean other than my parents and my family you've been the longest relationship but i think 
what I love about it is that it feels so new. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that long. Like I still feel the excitement. And I mean, we definitely are like full throttle all the time. So, and like you said, we definitely like push each other to grow. And I know like yeah, when I was like kind of going through my process of finding my mate or finding the one, I definitely had probably like this romantic notion of like my soulmate and the one. And it's this one person out there for me. And that's probably evolved and changed over time. And, you know, I love you to death and you are my person. But I do feel like that probably has shifted a little bit. But you know, I definitely had like my things of what I wanted in a person. And what I said to you like before about like someone always being a yes, that was definitely like on my list and somebody that who was like always willing to grow. Cause that was like always, I mean, like we've, I've shared this story with you that I've always wanted, like I, since high school was like, what's my purpose. And I've always been like a searcher and a seeker and just trying to kind of learn and be curious. And that was really important to me because I had been with people that were not that. And so as I was going through the process of like finding my mate, that was really important. And I just always remembered like when we started dating or like, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Like I was in Landmark Forum and you're like, yeah, I'll do it. Not knowing what it was. And to me, I think, you know, we talk about it now is like, I see we're like a mirror or a reflection for each other to see like what we're going through. And it hasn't always been that easy, no doubt, because I've pointed the finger at you, you've pointed the finger at me. But I think now in recent time, if I'm pissed off at you or it's hard or it's challenging, I know that that you're just a reflection for me of what I need to work on for myself. And I think you've actually have come to that, um, to those terms as well, which has been kind of beautiful because it's not easy and it's, you know, I can only be responsible for myself, but yet we're on this path together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both agree that like, the purpose of finding a spouse is to work through your deepest have have somebody to work through your deepest wounds with, right? And mm-hmm. and that's what we kind of both believe from the start. I don't know. I think it's our souls connected that first night and said, "Yeah, this is the one that we want to do it with." And we <laughs> we got down this road of constantly upgrading and, or I should I say, uncovering and discovering. And that's been the process I think for us is of pushing ourselves up against some really tough stuff to break through and give us what we ultimately want out of this life. So we've been very much on this, like, I, I you know, I mean, you look back the all, you know, the landmark stuff and where I came was where I was coming from. You were so, it was so confrontational and you, you do have this, <laughs> You know, as nice as you are, you're, as I say, you're very much pitbull and you are a tough, I don't see you it. come from, you know, that you are a tough soccer player and you just, you 
you can push people around. And I, I and it's it's great. I totally love it. <laughs> it's been such a great um, so you're so loving about it and you push me gently through these processes, I think. Um, you're being nice about it now, but when we're going through yeah, it, when he's, I'm going not, through it I, he's not I'm, so, so he's not so like delicate no, and loving. And like that. I'm so, it's, it's when you say we're a mirror and that's the biggest that's the biggest thing I think we've realized recently is that mm-hmm. um, I that we create each other and every moment I'm looking at you and I'm creating you and I do the same with everything in my life because it turns out I am just a projection device that's just creating the world in front of me. And, yeah. and that's, that's the big kick in the teeth is you cannot play a victim anymore when you're in that position. And so anytime I'd have a complaint for you, I realize I have to look at myself and, and there's the, and you get so mad when I'm like, I, know. I flip it back on you. It's you're true. like, and I do oh. the same thing to you. And we both have this resistance it because we know. know it's true exactly yeah. and there and there is some like part of it where like i do listen even though i don't want to i do listen to be like you're like well these are my needs and i'm like well that's your problem <laughs> you and you're right. but but yeah. i also do know that like yeah like you know i can give and i i know like listening is a big deal for you and i could go be going 100 miles per hour and you know, as you say, I interrupt you when you're talking. I also know that like I made great strides, which you might not realize because it's still like the complaint that I'm not listening, but I have made great strides because I've been conscious about, okay, that's really important to him. Let me um, like focus, be present, not be on my phone when he's talking. i drop things but yet it's still still a thing right like because to you it's all I'm never going to be listening so that is partly your story or complaint in your head that you'll keep creating or manifesting you know yeah what it's like they're pushing my buttons but why do you still have buttons it's up to me to remove the buttons I know it's so freaking that's so freaking annoying I know yeah no i get it i'd love to go back though and talk because talk about like when we met because that actually was probably the most favorite time of my life like when we met um it was like a pure adventure and adrenaline um for you know you know when you're falling in love and i think for me I knew like our first date, like you were the one. And I think, I don't know, you say that you knew pretty soon, but it's kind of funny, our story of. Um, you, want to tell, you want to tell that story? Yeah, I can go. I mean, I was in another relationship. I was like living with somebody, but I just, I knew it was kind of like the next phase for where we we're in our relationship because I think we were dating for like a year and a half or two years. And it was like, okay, let's move in. And I think I knew it. I think looking back now, I knew it wasn't the right decision, but obviously I was like, when I was in it, I was like, well, this is the next step that I should be doing. So let's do it. And then I had met you through mutual friends and 
we hadn't even really talked. We went to the beach on July 4th and we hadn't really even, yeah. yeah, we didn't really talk much that day. And we were both from the East Coast and, but just, you know, I was like doing my thing and you were doing your thing. And then that night, my boyfriend at the time had invited you over for a barbecue (laughs) and then we started. Yeah. (laughs) And then that's when we started talking and it was like purely innocent, but I just, I think we connected right then. That was his most expensive grill ever. Yeah. What's that? That was his most expensive grill ever. I, what do you I mean? had to bring the grill over, remember? And I, yeah. yeah. And that was the reason I was there, which introduced us. Right. So right. It was all about the grill. Yeah. And then, like, my the my housemates were trying to set you up with one of my roommate, and I was like really mad. And I was like, that's yeah. not a good sign. And the week later, I broke up with my boyfriend and then we started talking um and then we just were on this whirlwind we had that that first conversation in your kitchen i remember the the cabinets and you are etched in my mind forever the blue cabinets and the sink full of dishes but you're just just this glowing like uh, (laughs) bit of joy and and you just were on a different level than most people. And I knew it. So I think that connection we had, that first conversation, you know, was just something special. And, and you are something special. So I'm just grateful to that we got through, you know, that whole thing. I mean, that was a wild ride. Yeah, we went, you know, then back to New York and back to San Diego. Yeah, well, and, just to like get people caught up. So we dated for, I think, like, two years and then got engaged in that time but even our engagement was really funny because we we were kind of like yeah we're gonna get engaged no but it's gonna be like not for a few more months and um I remember we went through World Works, which is another program like Landmark Forum and it was through there that you realized you wanted to marry me i guess yeah yeah and then we had went to um we had went to a crossfit workout after the weekend of the training like it was what like a or was it a full week i think that was after the experience Uh, so that was like a full week training right i forget yeah it was it's very intensive it's very like experiential and you go up and down through and back around it's very like it's confronting it's like the best high ever, like natural high and it just all this stuff. So through the course, yeah. yeah. And whatever was blocking Blair from taking that next step, he had it removed. Because actually the first course before there, I had declared that I wanted to be engaged. Right. That was the first class. And then this was, this experience was like the second segment of a three-part series that we had done. Um, and this was like a week long, I believe. And... And through that, you cleared up whatever was in your way of wanting one to get married and two getting married to me because there was still stuff in your way. So after that week had ended, we had went to a CrossFit workout, but you had in that time went and did all the things, right? You got a ring. Yeah, that morning, I forget what morning it was, but I woke up and said I was 
determined. I had I had you know figured it out that I wanted to propose to you, and so I contacted your dad, and I found a ring, and I figured out a plan how to do it, and and it was like three. It was like the most intense six hours of my life. You know? <laughs> And then, Didn't you say the ring guy was like, "Are you okay?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, <laughs> you, you, you want the ring today? You're getting engaged today? You know, like uh, he was so shocked. Are you okay? Uh, and yeah, he. Um, and then we had uh, we went to CrossFit at US CrossFit. Dan Dan Miller was a big help, and so was Alan. Alan was yeah. Alan ran down to video the whole thing. And, uh, yeah. you know, so we got the whole thing on video and Dan made sure it happened. He got us down to Swami so I could post you down to Swami. Well, it was like after class too. So we did like the whole like CrossFit workout. And then he's like, okay, two mile run down to the beach and back. And then I remember everyone had, so we got down to Swami's and then you like, we went down to the stairs on the beach, which we don't normally do. And everyone had stopped like at a certain point that was in the class. And then you're like, come on. And I'm like, what? No, I thought you were throwing me in water. (laughs) And then you like got down in one knee and I'm like, I'm not computing. Like, get up, get it. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like pulling my hand away. (laughs) You're trying to pull my hand because I thought I was going to get thrown in the water. And it was like, I like was not registering because in my head I was like, we're not getting engaged for another six months and this is not happening right here, right now. I'm in a workout, <laughs> you know, right. and like not, not compute, not compute. Yeah. So was- yeah. So then we got engaged and then I think we were engaged for a while before we moved back to New York. So at that time, then we were like, I think we were looking at like, okay, next steps, we're getting married and, think you were kind of stepping up from your job i was leaving the job with the navy to go work uh yeah with with the family biz yeah Um, yeah that which was really like because like i think i had said in my first episode was that where i was like i'm always like gung-ho like yeah let's do it i'll do anything let's give it a try and then when i got there i was like wow this is really hard i had left my job, my friends, no family, no car, didn't know where I was going. And then you had like your family, your friends, a job, knew where you were going. And I'm like, so lost and confused. Yeah. Um, like six months before we were getting married. Right. Yeah. Think about and it what was a, Stephanie too feels like. Who? Oh, <laughs> and so it was, that time was a lot harder And I think that was kind of like we had then gotten married. And I remember our first year of marriage was really hard. Because we were back there. We were back there and then we moved back here like six months later after being married. Right. Like, um, yeah. And I just remember like the back and forth. You were in a family business. I had to come back and like figure out. So I was like lost there, like not knowing what to do. I think a lot of resentments kind of, did you have some resentment towards me? I don't there? think so. No, I mean. I always thought you did because I wasn't working. No, I mean, you were doing the IIN 
nutrition mm-hmm. course and uh you know i mean it, it's it was a tough it was a tough time it was like because you were you like know, we were living with your parents you were working with your dad and they wanted me to stay like in new family. york they wanted me to stay in new york and work there <laughs> at least his partner did and we said no and it was it was tough yeah and then now i'm back in san diego working and trying to work out of the garage and all that yeah right? Yeah. And then I was trying to like figure out what I was going to do, um, for work coming back. And I just remember it just being really hard. Like I remember our first year of marriage really, it was really hard. And I had my way and you had your way. We had moved twice in like a year cross country working in a family business and you being confronted like working in a family business. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think was, and I mean, a big point we didn't talk about is you were also at that time sober. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you had been, I mean, you had been sober like for like 17 years by that. Well, yeah. I mean, since I was 18, I never, as they say, took a legal drink, um, and still I'm sober, um, but I don't participate in recovery how most people would see it. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's been a wild ride. I mean, that, this past, uh, yeah, so I mean, sober at 18, uh, thinking I needed to be sober, and maybe I did, maybe I didn't, I don't know, looking back, but I started doing the work on myself then and i'm entirely grateful for everything i've done and you know needed to do to try to heal what i think is past trauma of family trauma um you know i watched a lot of alcoholism in my family and you know saw it and said i could have a problem i'm stopping now and never drank again and you know there's just nothing in it for me i knew that there was a there's a bad road either way so um but with it comes you know a lot of rigidity and uh mm-hmm. and the inability to kind of um you know open up and see things from your perspective and yeah and it was made things difficult i agree it was i was really closed off to a lot of stuff just because of that programming which as i as i see it now it's really important in early recovery sobriety whether it be al-anon alcoholics anonymous or adult children of alcoholics whatever your thing is and you need to get your act together rigidity is very important for that first initial however many years but eventually we have to round off the hard edges and really become a complete person which for me, I needed to step away from all of it in order to become whole and to really clean up all the areas of my life that I really couldn't get to inside the confines of, you know, the steps of of recovery, which, you know, so. And it was breaking us apart. I Not not the my rigidity and, um, and my inability to work through some really tough stuff was breaking us apart. You know, I was angry. I was so angry. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
you know, I was really difficult to be around a lot of times. I was just a, you know, I remember punching walls back when we were at that first place we moved into. Like you said, the first year was tough. And, mm-hmm. um, and I got me to start looking at things differently, saying, I need to do some, I need to go deeper here and really figure out what's going on. So, you know, that started me on the whole, a whole different direction with Al-Anon and, uh, and uh, adult children of alcoholics. I realized how much I had been acting like a trained harbor seal my whole life of just acting for other people to get their approval. Mm-hmm. And, and then take it a step further, you find out you're not an approval seeker because that's such a great euphemism, but you're, you're an approval sucker that I would look to you uh. and everybody in my life for approval in order to get what I needed. And it be, I didn't even know who the hell I was. So, and that's, and it was interesting because yeah. your, your shit like fed into my shit and it like played off. And then I could go into like my victim. It played like my story out from like my childhood wounds. It played my story out perfectly. Right. It was like that behavior then like played out like, my traumas but then again it's like all a mirror right like as we see now but i have to go back like i have to say you're probably one of the most courageous people i know and i've always had the utmost respect and just admiration for you because for me like you got sober at 18 like that is so admirable in like my eyes and i just I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I don't even drink that much, but like, I can't imagine like taking that on as an 18 year old and like staying committed to that for like, where are you at? Like 30 years now? What are you? 25? 27, 28. Yeah. 28. And, um, and, and then, like I said, you always being a yes, like a, and you, I don't know anybody who throws themselves into personal development and working on themselves more than you. And even when you were in AA religiously, like you worked your program and you sponsored people, you were of service, like you, your whole like demeanor or your whole like purpose is of service where like to like you see it was like for validation or approval or that. And so now it's kind of like you're going through the process of shifting that where it's not about that intention, but it's like really a being of service, right? Being like selfless. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's a lot of baggage around service as I found is coming from a person that's incredibly looking to get approval from people. It really fed me for many years. And I really had to tap Mm -hmm. in to look at the shadow side of that, of, you know, who would I be if I didn't have sobriety? Who would I be if I didn't have the approval of, of others of being getting sober young? And, you know, it was such a uh, Eddie Haskell moment for me of realizing of how much I've, I've just acted to be the good boy my whole life without ever really exploring what it means to be the bad boy. And that's always there. And I've, I suppressed it for so long it turned out to eventually needs to come out. You know, we need to integrate the dark and the light and to really figure out who the hell we are. Because I put myself above people for so long. And and I really 
consider myself better than you prior What's like that? prior yeah well, like prior you mean yeah, yeah like before like what you know in you know yeah yeah i felt like i was superior and i had this whole yeah. superiority around well look how great i am i do all this good work and i take care of people i have all these people that call me and when you're working on yourself and I'm better because yeah. I work on myself and I know this and right. you don't. Yeah. And you, and I, and I got that. that from you. Yeah. You got that from me. Cause I'm an I arrogant like... I am. I, I have that arrogance and that dark side is, needs to be flushed out. So let me fast forward to this kind of moment that I really think really spun my head 180 degrees mm-hmm. was that, um, January 14th, 2020, when I had this out-of-body experience from pain, um, you know, six months of pain from a neck injury that I thought was caused from jiu-jitsu, that the pain leaves me in, you know, one evening as I'm sitting in this office right here with you, and you're consoling me, and, you know, you don't know what to do for me, because I have I'm in excruciating pain. I can't even function. I'm just sobbing uncontrollably. And the next thing I know, I'm outside this window right here, looking in back at us sitting on the couch over here, on the chair over here. And I'm outside my body and I'm looking at the whole thing going on. And and you're there consoling me or what I thought was me. And I got to have a little travel through the world that evening. and visited many people, had connections with people that I'll never meet, um, you know, and connected and felt the world's pain. And when I came back in the morning, the pain is gone and I haven't had the pain since. And that I realized was a release of energy of trapped emotion that was inside this side of my body, on my left side of my, of my neck, that I had had this twitch through grammar school that, that was always there. This side was always tight. And it kind of all released that night, that energy. So I realized that I'm not my body. I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my feelings. Because when I was out there outside the window, I did not have any of that. It was just peace. And I realized that I am the awareness that's actually experiencing all that. And that was one of these huge turning points. I mean, it, there was so many points that had got me to that, you know, with all the work that we had done together and the people we've seen and the, you know, these courses that we took, but, you know, eventually it all broke free that night. And, you know, I can't explain it other than it was an out-of-body experience from pain. And many people that I've read about have had out-of-body experiences, um, you know, from all sorts of things. And it's similar to even near-death experiences. You know, it's not like a tunnel, but it was a similar understanding that I'm not my thoughts and I'm not my, my you know, that I've been suffering from so much crap in my head for so long that it finally gave me space. Like I had space between my thoughts and who I was. And so I realized that everything's a story. Everything that we make up is just story after story after story. and. I can choose whatever story I want about what's true. So it was such an awakening experience that I'm still to this day, you know, it's this huge mark in my life of where things really began to shift. 
you know, January 14th, 2020, where I don't see like I'd suffered from bouts of depression, anxiety, and just not knowing who the hell I was or or what our purpose was. And it it shifted me in a way that now I know that I don't see how depression or anxiety is even possible anymore because I know it's not real. I know it's just a thought, it's an illusion. And and I worked with um you know, I've just done a lot of research and depth, just diving into all this work. And, um, you know, I mean, three principles, um, uh, Ram Das, Neem Kroli Baba, um, The Untethered Soul was a great book that I read. Marianne Williamson's Return to Love. You know, it's like, it just, I just started swallowing up anything I could find that talked the same language like I was like I understood it now. And to believe that I have some sort of a disease or that I have some sort of character defects is completely foreign to me now. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I just know that deep down, we're all spirit and that, that we have all these crazy games we play with each other. We're our marriage game. It's so ridiculous sometimes. And we both stop and look at each other like, oh, this is fucking dumb. You know, and we know it's dumb, but we do it because this is the game we're playing, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just, you know, and you have had similar insights and have seen these things like I have that like, holy cow, it's all made up, you know, and you, you've seen it much earlier than I have through Landmark. I mean, you've done all the work through Landmark and you've been trying. Yeah, I, rem you've been doing this I remember stuff. I didn't understand, like, I didn't understand sobriety like I didn't grow up in like with like people really drinking so like coming into a marriage and like a family like yours with with that history like I just didn't understand it and so it was it was really shocking to me because yeah like I had we had I had like depression and anger and all that stuff but we didn't use like alcohol to cope with it it was more like just yeah like depression and so when I would get the rages and the anger and like this, I was like, I, I am just like this, like, you know, I don't know. I could, would go into my victim mode, I guess. But, you know, it was just, yeah, it was interesting navigating it. But, you know, like, again, we, I mean, there were lots of times where I think both of us wanted to quit. And I think you always had because of my history that was easy for me to be like yeah i think we're we're good we're just you know we got to go our separate ways but you cuz you have that endurance you're like no we're sticking this through and i mean yeah we've done the work like therapist other like just you know like we're constantly like up leveling you yeah. know and now i i'm clear like I'm clear you're my person um, that I want to journey this life with. And um, and now it's like, it's fun. And our, communica our communication is like a 180 to what it used to be. And I'm grateful that was probably one of the hardest days, uh, nights, because that was like in the middle of the night that that was happening. You had been sleeping on that recliner for months. And just being there, like, do I take you to the emergency room? Like, you can't take pain medication. Um, like, so you weren't 
I was. Like, you know, you go that you weren't. No, you weren't taking. I was. I was taking. I was taking the uh, the Norco's that they gave. But eventually, I said, I can't even take this. Doesn't even help. You, I don't think you took them long though, right? Because you weren't taking really anything. No, I, I was, think you were well, taking them long. Um, oh no, it was just like to get through the nights, right? Like, yeah, just like so you could so sleep. I could sleep. I'd suffer through the days and then suffer through the nights, and it was like. And you were sleeping on the recliner for months. Yeah. And I just remember being there, and like I'm like, do I take you to the like ER? Like I don't know what to do. Yeah, and, I know. And we were just like both crying and, um, and yeah, it's been. It's like as hard as that was, it was probably beautiful because of what has like unfolded since. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I know that was a really pivotal moment, but why? Like, I think, too, when it happened, I went back and it was like. Because you were probably getting all these other signs that you weren't really noticing, it came out and like into your physical body to where it had to stop you to kind of show you right like yeah. would you agree with that because you would always get like weird things and i'd be and you were like kind of a hypochondriac <laughs> and yeah. and you like and i was like can't you see the pattern and i think it was then like we started connect because i don't know i felt like there was some you had like three surgeries in one year right like you had knee surgery Ear surgery three times. Ears, like four ear surgeries from a popped eardrum from surfing. And like you had like two or three surgeries in one year and then your neck thing all. And and actually your neck was like jujitsu, but then you had gotten that ear surgery and that was when it got worse, right? After the ear surgery because of how they had your neck positioned. Yeah, it had something to do with it too. It all needed to happen, right? It was like every part of that. Yeah. But I was like, can you see the pattern here that's going on with these things? Like, what is trying to tell you? Then all of a sudden it was like that night happened. Right. Right. Um, What do you think has shifted in our marriage since that night? I would say you. I mean, I've given up a lot of crap that I was holding on to, I think, that night. And I don't think we really know how how healing works like at a cellular level but i do believe that it it, you know the issues are in the tissues as they say that that this needed to happen to heal to heal uh you know some deep wounds that we've we've been that i've been carrying and you know and and if we heal ourselves we heal our families we heal our loved ones i think so yeah, I mean, I, I can't take credit for it, but I, I'm just really grateful that that happened. It's painful. I wouldn't want to give it to anybody, but if it gives you this kind of a, an opening to change everything, I'm all for it, right? So, yeah, I mean, we've we've then gotten much closer, and I really, I mean, can you put your finger on it? I can't really think of exactly why or how, other than we've now been exploring all different stuff together which has been incredibly powerful and the people that we've seen in the past two years to explore you know really to get clear of a lot of this stuff it's been fantastic so 
Yeah. I mean, I've walked away from yeah. everything I used to do into a whole new way of, of healing and, and, uh, work, you know? So. Yeah. I'm really, um, it's been for me, like, I just think you're really brilliant in general. Like I, you always were, you know, you know, like you, you do, you research everything. You're like my go-to person on like the news, but it's been fun talking to you. Cause now I do think like before you had your like AA language and I just could not really like wrap myself into that. And then, you know, we had like the landmark and all of our other thing, um, like other coursework that we were doing that we would like kind of adapt the language, but there was still like that um, really strong pull towards AA, which just was not like I, it felt like the same thing over and over and over again. But now I feel like we just have really like in-depth conversations that can go deeper, but because I think there is like an openness, you mm -hmm. know, and like we are communicating. I listen to you, you listen to me and we're not perfect all the time. Like we definitely like go resort back to old patternings, but we get through it a lot quicker now where like before it could be days. Now it's like minutes, like we can snap out of it. And I think that was one thing too, that we both had was I'm very quick to take responsibility. Like I, I've always been the type, like type to take, I'm humble in that I'll take responsibility because I always, yeah. I am always like, know that I'm a hundred percent responsible. And so, and I think when I did that, then you, that would give you permission to take responsibility so we could kind of get through it. But, and now we just do that a lot quicker now. and. I think both of us have lightened up a lot more because I think we've seen something greater. I think now we're working, we get, we create it all and we're like creating now and it's like versus trying to be in survival or being in survival. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was so uh, kind of stuck in my ways of, stubborn that I didn't even know that this concept of that there are 7 billion realities in the world was completely foreign to me, you know, and to realize that mm -hmm. you have a view of the world that's 100% valid. And I would have the same exact view if I had all your experiences and upbringing and everything just the same. And, mm -hmm. and it's kind of funny that, um, you know, algorithms of Facebook and social media really tell the tale that everybody has their own algorithm, which points to the fact that we all have our individual realities because mm -hmm. we all have a way of seeing it, the world, and nobody is sane at all. You know, we all have, we have similar views, but everybody's a little different. And it took me a lot to figure that out. I used to think it was like, you know, a limited amount of views in the world, but, uh, or something. I don't even know the, how the hell I even looked at it, but now I can see that, you know, everybody has a valid opinion of the world. It's, if we could all accept that and move on, you know, we, we wouldn't be fighting anymore online, which has created such a just mess for our, 
culture, you know, this culture war that's just been an off. But, um, but for us as a relationship, especially, you know, to see you and to acknowledge you for what you, how you see it and to say, okay, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with the amount of cleaning that you do, but I'll let you clean. <laughs> <laughs> I know that is actually, it's funny. Cause that still is. I think I was talking to somebody yesterday and I was like, yeah, we still argue about it. Or it's like a constant complaint is my cleanliness or we just have different degrees. But again, um, it's, you know, I don't know. I feel like our relationships, there's usually like a constant in something. And it's funny that that's like what ours is because I clean too much or you don't like the way that I do it because I feel so you say that I'm seem stressed out when I'm doing it. Is that? I, yeah. So I just want to see you relaxed and happy. And, and so <laughs> when I see you like furiously cleaning, I'm like, this is the opposite of what I would want. Yeah, but don't and then you I know have to me? let go and say, okay, this is what she needs to do. Right. And it's hard for yeah. me to do that. It's, but you always say I'm one of two speeds. You go fast forward or reverse. Right. And you know, but, <laughs> but that's you too. I mean, I, I, I can't change that about you either. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other wisdom you want to share? I I just think that it, I don't know how, and I've, I've listened to a lot of teachers like Rupert Spear is one of my favorites, and he's a non-dual teacher, as well as, you know, there's many others that all say the same thing. And you go back, look at all the great teachers of the world, and they're all saying the same thing. And that is the the direction towards mindfulness and sitting in awareness and that to me seems like the greatest gift that i've ever gotten in my life is is the realization that i'm not my thoughts and i'm not my feelings that result in my thoughts but i am truly just the awareness behind the thought and when i can sit in that it's absolute peace and i can get wrapped back up into the world because we do we run businesses it's complicated world but i always have that grounding now that i never used to have and that's the grounding of that i don't have i i can let the thoughts come through my head like weather and thoughts will come and go and they will always just keep passing through i don't have to hold on to them and i can choose the ones i want to think about i'm not a victim to my mind anymore so Mm. Uh, it's like the ultimate freedom right there it is and it's a practice that's um it's still new to me and i I don't even know Mm. what the hell i'm talking about half the time but that's that's what's true for me you know most of the time nowadays that i'm like this is real this hasn't let me down yet and and i don't see how it could is that i just have this understanding of of what thought is i mean uh, there's you know i work with greg Clominzer and he talks about the three principles and it's mind consciousness and thought and that we're we're all just it's not for us to pay attention to thought all the time and to really just let the stuff pass through how do you like how do you like for a doer i guess because i'm a doer like how do you do do that how do you do that how do i do that how do you do that how do you like shift from like I guess, or I guess, how was it? How was it before? Like, you take action on your thoughts, or you like think your thoughts are real, or like you 
like your you think your thoughts are valid versus shifting to just being aware like oh i'm thinking i'm thinking this or i'm thinking that or this is hard or this is not right or this doesn't feel good is that kind of what you mean um, by that it it feels like i'm looking at the world like a movie and that how do you shift to that though i don't know i i can say you can look in that direction and start exploring what's doing the thinking you can ask yourself that and and what's what's doing the observing here and and that's that's the true nature of what we are that's underneath this that i identified myself with my thoughts i'm my depression i'm my anxiety i am alcoholic i am you know an al-anon i'm an a adult children of alcoholic i'm all these things and then you sit back and you say, well, what's actually experiencing all that? And eventually you get back to, ah, okay, there's something else behind all that. Michael Singer in The Untethered Soul, he talks about who were you at the age of five, you know, and, and who are you now? You know, what's, what's consistent behind all that? What's consistent behind the five-year-old and the 40-year-old? And that is what we truly are. And so I think that's the, you know, we are that consciousness behind it, which is what I kind of experienced. And it's, it's fleeting, you know, and definitely comes and goes. But I, I know that we're just all small parts of God. And we're all just, you know, trying to pretend that we're separate from each other with this egoic mind that's supposed to be there to help us, to save us from the big bad sab saber toothed tiger in survival. But but we only need like 5% of it. You know, we've overused the egoic mind. So there's just such a depth of, of knowledge underneath the mind that we never tap into. And to be able to get still enough just to listen and you do it. I know you do it. And you're, you're very intuitive. A lot of the decisions you made in your life are just like you tap into source so quickly sometimes. And then you think that you can't, you don't do it. But you do it every time I watch you, you know? I mean, you are so powerful. The shit that you've done is crazy, you know? Like, between this latest job you've had and so many of the changes you've made in your life, you know what I'm talking about. You just need to get still and listen to that, that deep voice that's underneath all of us. Yeah, I think I'm able, I'm trusting it more and more, you know? And I'm like, not. I, I'm trusting it more and not doubting myself because it's like I've listened and then it's like, oh, okay, yeah. And then, then I would, oh, no, that didn't really happen. And then I think now as, I don't know, maybe age or time, like I'm like getting, listening to it more and it's actually becomes fun. Like it's like a game, you know? And then, yeah, like not like watching your thoughts like a movie but I can still definitely get stuck in my thoughts I mean we were just having a conversation before I'm like look I'm going through the old pattern and like the new pattern right now and I'm gonna get stuck in the old pattern or I like it's so quick how I can get snapped back but then like it's great having a partner like on this path with me because then I'm like look this is where I'm at and then you can snap me out of it and I'm like yeah that's right because this is where I want to be you know, and it's, it's fun now. It's like, you know, we're, 
like I said, we moved out of like the survival mode and into like the creation mode, right? And now like, look at where you're at. You're creating a huge business right now out of your office that you're in, (laughs) you know, living your best life. We do jujitsu. We have amazing friends. We travel and eat really great food and live in Southern California, Mm -hmm. like surfing and I say jujitsu already and um yeah it's just it's pretty incredible like from where we came from as like our where we came from as children and where we raised like how we were raised and to where we are now healing uh i think i sent a text to you and jordan channing earlier today it was about that you know we heal our yeah sure Oh, yeah. Do you want me to read it? Or do you want to read it? Pain travels through family lines until someone is ready to heal it in themselves. By going through the agony of healing, you no longer pass the poison chalice onto the generations that follow. It's incredibly important, important and sacred work. And I think we both had some agonies of healing. And it's been unbelievably challenging at times i mean it's between you know the shamanistic work we've done and just the therapy we've done um all that stuff has been incredibly powerful to the point where i think we both come to a new place of you know our past and our families and everything it's got a little friend behind me now somebody wants some dinner but yeah i mean I'm really grateful to you and what you brought to me and taught me in my life and to be able to grow with you together. It's just what anybody would ask for. It, it's beautiful. We got a great thing going. Hmm. <laughs> Thanks, babe. You warm my heart. Oh, thank you so much. I Has it fun? This has been fun. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. I has been. Yeah, I think it's been a lot of fun. I think this was a great conversation. And I know you'll be back on um, because, like I said, you just have so much wisdom to share. And um, you did amazing on your first talk. I mean, you've been talking to people forever, right? All your your shares. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. Thank you so much. I love you. And thank you for thank you. being you and being on this journey with me. <laughs> You're my number one. You and me. Kiss and dinner. We. <laughs> Love you. Thank you for listening. My hope is that this conversation has inspired you with a new awareness and has uncovered some beauty and wisdom within you. If you have enjoyed what you heard today, Please feel free to share it with a friend and please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, please feel free to reach me at stephanie.brownyard at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.